Ladies and gentlemen, people. Ladies and gentlemenly people. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary people, those who identify as whatever they want to and are people who are not afraid of the world we live in, or even better, people who are afraid. Because I'm afraid, but it's okay. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am your host, Nick Flanagan, coming to you weekly. The show is called Nick Flanagan, Weekly. There's a little pun there. And I'm coming to you weekly uh, from this daily grind we're in, where people like myself, who very often were working from home, are suddenly forced to be at home, or in my case, the home of a uh, beloved friend, uh, all the time, 24-7, kind of worried when they go outside. This is where we're at. So here I am, coming at you weekly. Thanks so much for tuning in, my friends. The other day we had, uh, who was our guest the other day? Was it we had Mike Wallace? Uh, and that was always, that was uh, really fun, I, I hope. No, sorry, that was two weeks ago. Last episode was Mike Gribben, uh, another Mike. I didn't realize we'd done two mics in a row, but the interview with my friend Mike was just, really meant a lot. Mike's so funny. Um, he's kept working at bands forever and ever. His bands are really good. He's a really unique person, and it was just really, it felt really good. Um talking with him and you know I, I know I have lots of people who listen to this podcast who've been around since all of these uh, bands uh, in the 90s and 2000s and stuff so if, if you do this is a chance to see what Mike's been doing now and I, I really hope you got a kick out of it and if you haven't listened to it uh, go back give it a listen you know give it two I don't mind adds to my numbers I uh, I want to start with my gratitudes got to be grateful got to be grateful in this day and age and uh, it's funny a lot the stuff I I realized what I wrote that I'm grateful for is all stuff that I was actually saying I was grateful about before this happened but I think it has a newfound uh relatability and the long the long story short is that when I came back, even when I was in L.A., this happened a little bit, but I started going out to more live music again. And when I came back here, I got a job at a music venue. And on top of that, I got another job doing the door for punk shows, for the not uh, not just punk, but all kinds of groups, uh, for Not Dead Yet, this promotions company in um, in Toronto. And, and so I got to see all of this interesting live music all of this live stuff, opera, ballet, um, you know, noise bands, uh, Pharmacon, I saw Pharmacon twice, uh, adult, all these interesting groups. And uh, knowing now that, you know, there's a huge break from it, which of course means a huge break from my little jobs, it's just, uh, I'm very thankful that I got to see those shows. And uh, the same goes for movies. You know, I felt like I went out to the movies a lot more. I saw The Irishman in theaters. God darn it. Lots of other movies. 
And now, going out to the movie? Forget it. Unless it's a drive-in. I think people are doing drive-in stuff, but that feels weird. I saw in Germany they had some sort of a drive-in rave. No, thank you. And that's that in terms of my take on the drive-through rave. But yeah, and and it it's just nice because I'd forgotten that I actually enjoyed that stuff. You know, when you aren't doing things that you like, sometimes you don't remember that you liked them. And so you just wind up doing the same things that are right in front of you right there and then. And then you go to bed because you're tired. And then you wake up, and it's hours and hours later. And and uh, that part's fine, the passage of time. But the the thing where we kind of accidentally withhold things we like from ourselves, like healthy things, things that frankly remind us who we are, is... It's a. It's definitely something that can happen. It can leave us feeling a bit detached from the world, or at least it can in my case, when I haven't done it. So, you know, uh, it. Those are two things that I, I'm really grateful for, and I'm also very grateful for the situation I'm in. But um, because I know a lot of people have much more frustrating situations. Are you living with a roommate right now, quarantining? What's that like? Are you living with a family member, quarantining? Are you um, living above a supermarket secretly, hiding in the rafters, watching all of the masked people walk around? Well, that's interesting. You should be grateful for that situation because it's very unique. So, yeah, I I just... And I've even been a bit more nostalgic lately, I guess. I mean, I've always had that element to me, and I wish I could just move forward. Uh, without looking back. There's so many people you hear that about. Once I do a new project, I don't even think about the old stuff. And that is true of me. But uh, sometimes there are things that I want to see again, especially when there's a lot of distance between them. My friend uh, gave me, actually, uh, footage of the band that um, Mike Gribben was in with me, The Killer Elite. He So I'm going to crack that open after doing this podcast and find out you know what 1999 me looked like and I'll probably be a little disappointed at how much I look different now how much more tired I look by the way I'm sitting on a ball chair I recommend it they're supposed to be good for posture but I'm kind of crunched down so I'm not sure the posture is really improving because of this this stance but man get yourself a ball chair I also got some gear. I got gear. That's So if you think, oh, Nick, your voice is sounding much nicer right now, that's because I'm talking to you on a, a audio technic, uh, I think that's what it's called, AT4040 mic with a pop screen. I've always had the pop screens. A little shock mount, and it's all through a Roland interface. That's right, baby. I am doing it. So... Hopefully you're hearing this and just going, wow, Nick's voice. I don't even care that he's kind of just talking about certain things, stopping in the middle. I don't care. His voice sounds beautiful, and I can go to bed now. That's what I really hope is happening. Um, And I had to travel around a bit to get 
the gear, which does not feel great, but it was done very safely. I don't know where you're at in your level of um, protection in the quarantine style. I've seen a, a certain shift go where at first I uh, didn't really have, I was just doing social distancing, but not really doing masks or gloves. Then I moved to masks in stores and in closed spaces, gloves as well. And just last week, I switched to masks whenever I'm out. And I wish I'd done it sooner. Because if you haven't done it, if you're not doing it now, it's super easy not to do. Because if you're anything like me, you just go, oh, I don't have a cloth mask, so what am I supposed to do? Um, But it's pretty easy to get one, honestly. There's people donating them in Facebook groups. There's people who are making them. Probably you have a friend who's made masks. And buy the mask and wear it out because if you're wearing it and I'm wearing it, um, both of us have this dreaded SARS-derived flu pneumonia thing, COVID, we won't, we have lower chances of giving it to each other. And then if everyone's doing it, it's all much lower. So I hadn't really put that, I mean, I knew that fact. But I hadn't really thought about the importance of it, unfortunately, until last week. But now that I'm in a new conversion, I will zealously tell you, go for it. Unless you're in, you know, like the two countries that don't really have problems. Unless you're in, I think, New Zealand. They kind of got rid of all of it. So if you're in New Zealand, don't. This doesn't apply. But Russia, do it if you're listening in Russia. My listener in Japan, do it. Listeners in San Francisco, please do it. Listeners in Toronto, go, you do it the most because you're the ones I have to see with my eyes. And I know I was talking about this in another episode. You know, I just hate moving my judgmentalism into this thing where it's like, oh, this person's not abiding by the thing the government told us to do that saves lives. They don't want to save lives. They don't care. You know, I mean... I obviously can examine where that's coming from, and it all comes from the uncertainty and anxiety about this entire situation. And why judge these people as I see them? They would still be there doing whatever they're doing, even if I wasn't outside. So I just can't worry about it. Just do your best in your own space. Sanitize doorknobs. Maybe the COVID started from the movie Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and it's because Angela Lansbury forgot to sanitize the bedknob or the broomstick, and then someone got sick. It's a very low chance of that because the movie Bedknob and Broomsticks is very old. Angela Lansbury has not been with us for a while. I don't know if there were sanitizers in the 1960s, so the chance is very unlikely, but who knows? Scientists, they can discover a lot of different things, and maybe they'll prove that that's true. Something weird happened this week as well, where earlier, I guess it was last week, but one day I was walking and I was like, oh no, I want to hear William S. Burroughs' voice. Burroughs' voice. And... You know, as a child of the 90s, anyone who grew up in the 90s and was into alternative culture crossed paths with William S. Burroughs. 
And uh, if you don't know who he is, he wrote a book called Naked Lunch, wrote a book called Junkie, wrote a book called Queer. Obviously, he was part of the Beat movement in the 1940s and 50s. And he also was a heroin addict who accidentally shot his wife dead in the 1940s. And um, I still wanted to hear his voice. So we've been listening to audiobooks before bed. So we put on um, him reading his book, Junkie, which is a great book. I mean, if you read one William Burroughs book, it's almost like that's a good one to do. It's almost like a book, Iceberg Slim's Pimp or something. It just kind of gives you an insight into low life living in uh, – in the 1940s and 30s, and, and uh, him reading it is just great because he's rueful and he has a very specific speaking voice, and it's really good. And um, that was not the first book of his I read. The first couple of books I read were Naked Lunch and Nova Express, and those books make little sense. They're surreal, especially Nova Express, where he literally just put a bunch of jumbled words together and put them on paper, um, like like one of those poetry magnets that you see on the fridges of your fancier friends. Like they made no sense. They didn't make any attempt to make sense. They were funny a lot of the time, but they were very dark, very vulgar. And there was something that felt almost um, inhuman about it. Very cold, very detached. And, uh, but, and Junkie still has that detachment, but, it's like he's he's talking in 1940s slang. He says hipster a lot. He calls things calls being a drug drug addict uh, look at, trying to score on the streets calls that the trade. You know he's got all kinds of slang, and I'm ready for slang. I'm ready for 1940s slang, and then I kind of went on, and I tried to find some other William Burroughs. Uh, things where his voice was happening. In case you don't know what his voice sounds like. <clears throat> he says kind of snarly. And, well, that sounds like Jimmy Stewart hungover, but he kind of does sound like a Jimmy Stewart, a hungover Jimmy Stewart, actually. And um, he... So I listened to some more of his stuff, and I realized, God, this is too disgusting and too dark even for me, you know? And, and especially somewhere at, like, live colleges in the 80s, live at colleges in the 80s, and those college kids freaking loved him. And I was like, I wonder if he did any of that kid stuff that was so popular back in the days. And, yeah, I guess he wrote a whole book about a bunch of 13-year-old boys uh, who were some sort of... Uh, pansexual army having orgies and stuff. It was called Armies of the Red Knight, I think. Cities of the Red Knight. And uh, recommended to me by Mark Maron, the famous podcaster and comedian, actually. Once upon a time. And he, uh, he read stuff from that book, and it was, like, too gross. And also, then it seems like he had a bit of a, some kind of a love of younger guys. And um, that dove dovetailed with Allen Ginsberg, the poet, having even more of a love for them. It's really messed up. You can find all ab about it on whosdatingwho.com, which is where I found out 
a lot of information about William Burroughs, strangely. Whosdatingwho.com. He is 10 partners away from Justin Bieber. You can track his romantic relationships to Justin Bieber's romantic relationships. So perhaps Justin Bieber will be a, a anti-hero of pop culture, of, of underground culture in the uh, 20 years' time. Who can say? Not me, even though I just said it. Think about that for a second. Okay, seconds up. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It's, it just made me think about our hero worship. I pro Again, I probably talked about this before. Uh, in the 1980s and 90s, there was a capacity of tolerance and celebration for people like William Burroughs because they were so outside the margins of what was acceptable. So even if what they were doing was moral morally wrong or questionable, First of all, they were doing it, in his case, with a lot of skill and creativity. It's also a rich kid. And that was my dad. what my dad used to always say. He used to go, he's rich. He was just living off his family's money and doing drugs and making books that made no sense. It was, but, of course, he had some William Burroughs books at his house. So, you know, that was where I read him. So, obviously, there was some appreciation of what he was doing. And... You know, Gigi Allen's another great example of it, the disgusting musician who I first saw on Jerry Springer in the 1990s when I was homesick. You know, super outside the margins, super brazen. Unfortunately, actually did a lot of gross things to people. Really mistreated some people. So, it's it, 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 Charles Manson was popular in the 80s and 90s. And it's really interesting to me that I can't tell if that appreciation has died down or if the outcry about people like that being appreciated has just become more audible, you know? Um, I guess teenagers everywhere will always read William Burroughs. They will always read Catch-22, Slaughterhouse-Five, Hunter Thompson, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and love it for a while and then later on think it's dumb. And when it actually, quality-wise, probably falls in between the two. Who knows? Tom Waits, they love Tom Waits. I'm really just talking about my experience growing up. But I guess the question I still have is just, it's almost the age-old art, not the artist thing. Like, is there space to appreciate people who have done um, morally repugnant repugnant things but produce art that either feels like it's processing that feels like their mind is punishment for what's happened when you look into their mind state in these books or in the case of Gigi Allen his music or if it's like really tainted the material to the point that it's actually fraudulent in some sense I mean I don't believe that people are being censored exactly nowadays that people are being punished for um, their comedy or their writing or whatever. But I do think that when you have a mass pile-on of a thousand people telling you you're terrible, how can you even hope for any kind of resolution or forgiveness just from their anger? You know? Is it the public's? It's not the public's duty to forgive, but 
if for some reason people have gotten past that or been punished for it or suffered for it, in the case of William Burroughs, you know, it was like 40 years difference between the death of his wife and, say, being in Drugstore Cowboy, the Gus Van Sant movie. Uh, you know, is that a moral failing on the or on the part of, say, Gus Van Sant? I don't know. Everyone has opinions on this, but I honestly, I don't know if I have an opinion on this. Yet I'm talking about it. And that's the biggest mystery of all. Have a great day or night. If you want to help out the podcast, we're at ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Monthly, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. I did just put a bunch of money into gear, so if you can help out, that would be great. And of course, it's not expected. These are very difficult times. So feel free to buy food instead. Or flowers for your favorite person. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly